We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. I recorded my conversation with artist Michael Nolan at a spacious and bright studio in Woodstock, Illinois. He is also an avid art collector, and I was able to tour his home, which is full of what he considers excellence in art. Much of this collected art could be considered folk art, outsider art, untrained art, or self-taught. It was very varied and a very interesting collection. As these things happen, I didn't know Michael when I started our talk, so I didn't know what to expect. I quickly realized I just need to get out of the way and let his spirit come through. I am very excited to share my conversation with artist Michael Noland. The thing that I, I was always an, admired in the self-taught artists was that they didn't, they weren't trying to make it in the art world. At, you know, I did quotation marks with my hands. They weren't trying, they didn't even know about the art world. So they were making art for a different reason than a person just coming out of a master's program that is trying to get into every gallery they can get into uh, or trying to get the ears and eyes of a curator at a museum and that sort of thing. The most of the self-tartists that I was friends with never, they don't, they don't, just like I grew up in Oklahoma, I didn't know there was such an art world and they don't know there, there is such an art yeah. world. Yeah. So I guess what I'm wondering is, is there something about, like, can you see that in the artwork that it um, is being made? Sometimes you can, but uh, get to get back to your previous question is I don't see any difference between the two. Okay. I, what I'm interested in is quality. Okay. And I'm interested in artwork that is spiritual and powerful. And it could be by a self-taught artist or a trained friend of mine. Uh, but I like living... I also like excellence. And I like things that are unique and um, rare, I guess would be one word. But it can happen... You know, I could, you and I could go over to an antique store right now and I might find an anonymous thing that hits me the same way as... A painting by my friend Fred Stonehouse, who's a trained painter. Okay, or, you you know what I mean. Like yeah. uh, to me, it's more of a spiritual journey, and it has to do with uh, n- not about maybe how they were made, but what they ended up as, or something. I mean, or like the power that uh, I believe that there's a spiritual power in objects. Okay, for example, like um, you know, I think paintings and sculpture or carvings. Uh, that are made by a person, not a digital print or something, but things that are handmade like that, that sideshow banner we were looking at earlier, that has a, there's an energy that comes off of it uh, from being... It, because it's handmade. Handmade, yes. And, and it's all, and also... And, and unique, probably. And it's, and it's unique. It's, yes. it's the only one... In the world. In the world. Right. Which I'm always trying to convey that idea to people and, you know... Well, it's, it, a, it's it, part it, of our job, kind of. Yeah, I mean, is I don't... I don't think people fully make that connection that when you are buying a painting that mm-hmm. someone made, it is the only one in the world. Well, they you also know, it don't. Is, it's unique uh, and rare. Yeah, it's very unique and rare. But it's also one thing that, you know, growing up in Oklahoma in a rural area, I mean, I didn't have any role models for collecting or even being an artist. The only artist I knew of in the state of Oklahoma in the 1970s was a guy that sort of did like, you know, cowboy paintings that 
were very um, realistic and not that interesting. But to me, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know about the contemporary art world. Yeah. So, so when you were exposed to these cowboy paintings, how old were you? Uh, probably uh, maybe 14. And, who were, like and was this someone that lived in your town or something? Yes. Uh, I, well, actually, I met his father, but it, it, it didn't really matter. I, I don't think know if I ever met the artist or not, but he was... Uh, what, what he did would probably be considered kitsch now in, in a weird way. I mean, they weren't great paintings. They were sort of scenes of cowboys and uh, this idea of the, the Southwest that I grew up in, sort mm-hmm. of like a, almost like a, uh, you know, like uh, just not as, in, I mean, they just were, you know, like it's the same kind of thing as cowboy movies, you know, like there's always the, the cowboy, there's the cow or the cowboys roping the cow or there's an Indian and a Cowboy fighting, but it was more like it's it's more genre. It was more stereotype. Yeah, it's it's very as opposed to the reality. Yeah, and I grew up around horses, and my grandfather was a great horseman. Yeah. So when you saw this artwork, was there something about it that like excited you and activated your brain? Yes, it excited me because it made me understand that there was a world with professional artists in it. I didn't know what it was at the time, and I didn't hadn't been to university yet. So I hadn't learned about all this stuff. So to me, just to know that somehow there was a person making art and living off of it, or that was their profession, was such a strange concept, it was almost impossible to believe. So was it it the idea that someone was making a living off of it, or you had just never seen art before? I'd never never met an artist, and I, I mean, I'd never, in my whole family, I was the first person to go to college uh, out of my whole family, but I was also... Uh, you know, my family were mostly uh, working class mechanics, farmers, those kind of people. So there wasn't any role model in my background. I mean, there wasn't anybody I could say like, well, you know, we had Uncle Mike who, uh, you know, uh, made quilts or whatever. You know, I mean, there could have been something, but there wasn't. My my great-grandparents or great-grandmother made quilts with other women in the community, but that was probably, and watching people work with their hands was a big part of my uh, growing up, but I never met until I met this cowboy artist when I was fourteen. I had never met what I would consider a, a real artist. Okay, if there is such a thing as it, a real artist. And when did you start creating art yourself? Well, I started in high school, just like a lot of people do. Around that time, I, around fourteen. Yeah, yeah, around that time. Was it like and, art? Was it like your art class? Yes, art class in high school. Okay, and uh, I was very lucky to have a uh, a woman somehow see in me some kind of spark or originality who, uh, you know, for the the next three years really uh, supported me. We're still friends today, and she teaches in Texas. And, I mean, now it's kind of interesting because um, in some ways I can't even imagine what it was like for her to have a a high school student that went on to become a a fairly well-known painter in the United States and moved away and you know, that's, but, but what I'm saying is like, I think a a lot of people, when you talk to a lot of artists or writers or whoever, they'll tell you there was always one person that that supported them when they were young or believed in them. Absolutely. I hear this. And my family didn't. I hear this all the time. Um, because this is your episode number 36 and, um, you know, usually the people that I talk to are not, not everyone are visual artists, but they're usually creative. And it's very common that there was like a teacher 
that it's usually somebody outside the family yeah, it seems yeah. like i mean I, do, I have met people and i know like truman capote uh wrote about his grandmother how she was very supportive when he was young i mean th- there are artists that have had the opposite where the family was supportive for whatever reason but my family i was always an outsider in my family i mean even to this day they still don't understand how i make a living making paintings and the whole idea of a gallery showing your work uh up until about a month ago, my stepmother in 40 years I've been showing had never been to one of my openings. Uh, so I've never had family at these openings. I've had, you know, hundreds of openings at you, galleries around the country. Why do you think that is? Do you think that... They, they I think they just don't understand it. I mean, I've tried to explain it to students that I was just in Virginia a few months ago as a visiting artist, and I was talking to some very young students that were in a very similar situation that I grew up in, a very rural area, very poor, uh, not, no museums around, no artists around. And I told them, like, you know, that you have to, uh, you know, find these people or find, you know, or, or somehow you have to believe in yourself ultimately. I mean, that's the bottom line. But yeah. it is always nice to have supportive faculty or friends. Yeah. So you had, you had it with not your family, but you had it with... Um, uh, Marilyn Jock. Her name was Marilyn Jolly, okay. and she's the teacher who supported me. Great. Now, did you start? When did you start painting? Well, it was in a class in high school. And you have, know, you, have you painted consistently since then? Oh yes, I so have that's, never stopped that's painting. That's always since been your medium. That was around 1974, probably. Okay. And so, has your you know, um, painting? Tell me about the evolution of like your relationship with like the canvas and putting the paint on the canvas. Well, that's the that's the mystery, or that's the magical part. That you know, um, uh, I often say, uh, you know, you know, like I said to you earlier, that you know, I've done a lot of visiting artist things, and I know a lot of artists, and been doing this for forty years now. So, but but the the strange thing is, when you face a blank canvas, it's always like you're starting all over again. It's never, even though you may have done it for forty years and sold a lot of paintings. It's not, you still have to fight that demon, that white canvas or that white piece of paper, whatever it is. But it's always, it sort of puts you in your place. It's always a little bit intimidating, I think. And especially if you're trying to do something great and you believe that there is a magic that can happen. And you've had it happen before. So you're trying to read repeat that magic somehow well it's kind of a double-edged sword because Mm -hmm. the beauty of it you know because i used to do something different besides painting right and it was the same thing it was the same thing well i think a lot of things are the same yeah it was the same thing whereas with you know the beauty of you know even when i worked in project work where i was starting a new project right and it was so which is somewhat of a blank canvas but it isn't it isn't really because it's usually similar to something else but when you are starting a new painting, there is a common, at least for me, it's a combination of exhilaration and hope. Like this is well, going to be the always one. The hope. But then there's, there's also the this it, this f- like fear and overwhelm and self. Well, I think after you do it for forty years, I mean, I don't know that I'm as I, I'm not as I'm not scared of the white. You know, there's no fear involved, but I do know that it's a dance, a kind of a fine-tuned dance, and it. I work on paintings up to a year, um, so I work on 10 so or wait, 12 you, paintings at once. You, oh, okay, so you so, work on one painting for a full year? Yeah, I, some paintings take a year to do, because I don't do any prepar- preparation sketches, I don't do any 
Uh, I just start, I draw on the canvas the initial thing, but in the process of a year, I may, might repaint the painting 12 times. You know, it may be 12 totally different paintings. You're like my friend David. He does. Yeah, I mean, there's thing. some people who do a little sketch and then they know how they're going to do it and they just go and mechanically do it. I, I'm not, I'm a, I'm somewhat of a masochist or something. Uh, you know, I make it hard on myself. And uh, it's just the only way I know how to do it. But a lot of magic, the, the thing is what I was going to say about the, the facing the blank canvases, there is a, a, soberness, a soberness that happens. Like, you know, just you can't help but be aware that there's from one to one million, there's a million different ways this can go, you know. Mm-hmm. And it can be a way you've never even thought of or seen before. And that's the magic part is like that... I would hope at this point I'm still trying to keep myself interested and still trying to keep myself, uh, uh, you know, exploring things and trying things. And I'm pretty sure I do that. And that's part of my weird process I do is trying this, trying that. I mean, I have friends and I've known people that can sit down and do a little thumbnail sketch. And then in four days that painting will, or maybe even four hours, depending on what, what they're doing, that painting will be done, but I've never worked that way. Um, I yeah. just never have. I've always yeah. thought, well, I'm going to start with this idea of a cow, let's say. But in that process, the cow may change from a green cow to a, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in the process. Yeah. Um, are you, uh, what is your mind doing? Are you thinking about the painting? Are you thinking about other things? No, I, you... when you get, when you're really painting great, you get into a state that's like a, uh, like a Zen thing where you're not thinking about anything at all, and the painting is just coming through you. I was reading a, an it's article... Like white, no- like white noise. Yeah, or it's like white noise, or it's the pure... tapping into the pure spiritual thing that, uh, that we're all trying to get to in whatever art we make, you know? Or the, uh, and it doesn't happen that often, but I've always said that, you know, being an artist, it's almost like being a junkie in a way because... You're always looking for that high of the times when it does get really great like that. And sometimes paintings paint themselves. And they're the paintings you, you learn the least from because they're not, there's no effort involved. They just magically happen. And you just step back a few hours later or a few days later and you realize, shit, that was crazy, you know, how that happened. Like, yeah, where did that come from? Where did that come from? But the next 10 times it might not happen. So it's like you're chasing that high, that weird euphoria when you are in that zone and it doesn't happen that often but it does come but it does come and after you've been doing it for 40 years you can get much quicker it's sort of like maybe somebody that studied studied meditation after 40 years of meditating can get to some quiet zone quicker so it's like chasing the dragon with yeah, like drugs is. except yes. the opposite yeah because with drugs you're chasing the initial high that you can never recreate well i think with with it's, painting it sounds like you you are actually able to recreate it that well, I think it happens, but you can't predict it. I mean, it's not like if I set out today and told you I was going to have that feeling working on one of these paintings over on the easel, it may, it probably wouldn't happen, you know. Um, so do you? So that's very interesting. That because I have the same experience where right. it's a little. You don't know how what kind of day you're going to have in the studio, whether it's going to be a productive day and whether it's a high day, a low day, and what kind of well, results always, you're going, what kind of results sure. you're going to get. Right. Um, and I felt like when I was doing other jobs, 
it was a little bit more consistent because... Well, you knew what the end game was. You knew what the end game was. Or you was. knew what you were supposed to end up with. But in painting, you don't know... There is no answer of what right. you're supposed to and end th- up with. Yeah, and I think this probably speaks to creativity. Creativity, right. As opposed to... Uh, and really, that's what, the pod- this is, that's what this podcast is about. Right. Is talking about sure. crea- you know, creativity. And I think that's one of the... Um, when people are getting into a creative experience, especially if it's something that they're not normally doing, right. you're not going to get consistent results. And it, you have to be comfortable with that and you have to stay with it. Well, there's a lot of rejection in the art world, you know, I mean, just generally because, you know, like a lot of times when I do visiting artists things, I mean, one of the questions that I really like the least, but I get asked a lot by young artists is how do you get into a gallery or mm-hmm. how do you, uh, you know, do whatever I've done in the last 40 years? How did I get here? And I always tell them it's not magic or anything. It's just hard work. Um, that's why I was going to say there, I don't know that there really is bad days in the studio. I think it's all part of the pushing towards something. So by uh, hard work, you mean, is I think you need to be in the studio even when you're painting. not, not painting. Like there's days when I know I can't paint, but I will stretch canvas or I will, but I will be looking at these unfinished paintings the whole time and they'll be interacting with my you're brain. You're staying with it. Yeah. I'm studying them. I might not be working on them that day. But in the back of my brain, you know, there's something going on, an interaction between me being out here in this space with these, these things, which I think have a spiritual quality to them. And sometimes it'll just hit me from across the room, like what this painting needs or, or this painting is just not working at all, you know? So let's talk about that spirit. You've brought that up a couple of times. Let's talk about the spiritual aspect right. of, um, so are you a spiritual person, uh, can you tell me about that and how that relates to your artwork? Sure. I, I think that I am a very spiritual person, but I'm not a religious person or a um, practicing. Um, I, I was born up as a Christian in, uh, in the Southern Baptist tradition in, in the South, which is, you know, very fire, fire and brimstone. And, you know, the way I was brought up, I mean, a lot of the things that I saw were very racist, homophobic, all of those kind of things, which didn't quite jive up with what I thought you know, what the God was, sure. what we're all about, whatever sure. we are. So I'm still a spiritual person. I still believe in an afterlife or another, another thing after this. But I don't believe that we're being judged. Uh, I believe in karma more than anything, I would say. So uh, for spirituality, like do you... In paintings, you mean? Well, uh, do you feel like in your life, as you go through the day, as you... Um, encounter challenges, problems, are you, or like is prayer part of what you're doing? Like, um, do you feel like you're in a, a partnership with a higher being or, or is it more about, hmm. about you're just, you know that when you die, you're going to go someplace? Is it part well, of I your, think that we day? came from someplace and I think we're going back to that place. I don't know what it is and I don't think it's anything to worry about or anything, but um, I've had it's just weird that we're on the subject because in the last two years, I've had like 12 close friends and family pass away, a sister and my father uh, about a year ago. Sorry. So I'm, I, I'm just trying to tell you sort of where my brain is at. I've been thinking a lot about this, uh, the, the transition or whatever it is that happens, because we know that um, when somebody's alive, there's, there's something going on here. Uh-huh. And when they're gone... I don't know that they're totally gone. I mean, like, 
uh, I studied African art uh, in graduate school at Ohio State University, and one of my teachers, there was a theory about an ancient African art about the ancestral, uh, I don't remember how, what the proper term is, but it had to do with that all your ancestors are God, or they're, they're watching you, they're also uh, encouraging you, they're not just judging you, but that the people who came before you are somehow uh, who you're trying to interact with somehow. Okay. So how does this relate to, because you've made a few mentions of artwork, like the spirit of, right. of an artist coming through their art. Well, Tell I think me we're about talking that. about two different things. Okay. I think when I'm talking about my personal spirituality, I'm talking about how I walk through the world. How do mm-hmm. I interact with other people? Okay. How do I... Am I, you know, am I a good father, a good husband, a good grandfather, a good friend to friends, uh, a supportive artist to other artists? You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that I think about. Okay. But that's not the same spiritual quality I'm talking about when I talk about these painting things that happen. Okay. Those things are much purer. Um, the thing that happens when uh, the, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about when the painting is going really well or these things when you have almost an out-of-body experience. I mean, that's when there is something else going on. And sometimes I wonder if I'm the creator or is the spiritual master or whoever it is or my ancestral figures working through me to create the thing. Okay. It's almost like there's... At some point, you seem like you feel like you're like... um, Well, you feel like you're the uh, transistor or the... the, the thing that, you know, like the lightning rod that is attracting something and then it goes to you and then it somehow ends up on the canvas, you know. Okay. Um, so that's different from worrying about if you're a decent person. Uh, I'm talking about the kind of thing I'm talking about in painting is like, I, you know, I've never done heroin, but I would assume that it's something like that. Like when you have that, that day when everything goes perfect you're in this zone that you don't even know how you got there. And you, you never remember how to get back there, but somehow you do get back there. Yeah. And when you get in that zone, it's magic. And it's effortless. It's, um, you know, there's no... Uh, it's just wonderful. And so I believe that every day when I come out here, I have to have that leap of faith that, that today could be it's the gonna day. It's going to be one man. of those days. It could be the day. Okay. Even you coming here today, I thought, you know, I've never done one of these webcasts, but I believe that everything has potential. And I also, I think we were talking on the phone the other day, I believe that something like this could be spiritual, or just us discussing this, or the fact that we never met before, and now we're starting to have a dialogue, you know? Absolutely, and, and uh, we're, we're making a connection, sure. and we're getting to know each other. And yeah, we, uh, you know, 15 minutes ago, we didn't know each other at right. all. And it's being recorded forever. Right. So one of the best, I have to tell you, um, one of the best interviews, I, one of my favorite interviews was this guy um, who, he had, he had a history with some uh, mental illness and he was a musician. Right. And uh, Pete is his name. And I, I absolutely love this interview that we had. And we were getting to know each other sure. and he was sharing all of this intimate stuff with me and it was a, an amazing episode of the podcast i met him just walking down the street and i wandered into a record store but that's, and he was working there so it was I, yeah. what i thought was so interesting is that we had it was just a random encounter 
and the, the two of us coming together mm-hmm. kind of created something and it was this experience that was um, amazing and i kind of feel like that potentially could happen um it, could that happen with anyone could that yes happen? it could could that happen with and anyone? i believe it does happen yeah i believe it happens all the time and 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 i i people always tell me that um that I lead a magic life. I don't know what it is, but I think it's because I'm always throwing my antenna is always out there. I'm always sensitive when I meet a, a person at a garage sale or whatever. I mean, I'm always open to the idea that the next person you meet could radically change your life. You know, I totally agree with you. It doesn't happen that often, but it does happen. It does or you happen. meet a person who never thought about collecting art. Yeah. Then they come over to the studio and bam, the next thing you know, they're buying art. Yeah. Um, or people come in to see my collection and they've never seen, I mean, I didn't have any art in the house I grew up in ever, you know, yeah. I never saw art as a child. So I hope that, uh, and I've heard back from some of these children are in their mid thirties now that used to be here with my children when they were over here visiting and they've all become, uh, sensitive to art. Some of them have become collectors. A few of them have even become artists. But what I'm saying is, like, they remember when they were five or six coming in the studio and sensing that there was a magic happening here or something that they didn't know about. And then, of course, I supported them when they were growing up. And, you know, all these kids were sort of a part of our big family, you know, like uh, some of these kids didn't have uh, good homes. You know, some of their parents weren't weren't together. You know, weird stuff was going on, you know. If you're going through the world mm-hmm. with the attitude that the next person that you meet could mm-hmm. be someone that could change your life, which I right. I am totally on board with that, right. that is going to make you very aware of what's going on. Yes, I, and I, I like I you mentioned, so. you said the word antenna. Like I get yeah, that, right, right, and I do, and and I believe that if you are paying attention mm-hmm. to what, and I use the word like the universe is presenting sure. you at all I, times I and you kind of embrace that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that is a, I think that's a good way to get good results. In- well, I think it, I think it is all part of the same thing. I think it's all part of, you know, I feel like there's, well, I, in a general word and I'm not, I don't mean to, this term is overused, but I do believe in karma and whether it's about uh, interacting with these strangers or maybe family members that are struggling and you're trying to help them or friends or whatever. But I feel like, I don't know how it works, but I do feel like that they, that's, I do feel like some of the good things that happen in painting are related to the good deeds I do in life in a okay. weird way. I, it doesn't make any sense, but it's just something I believe. Okay. Uh, I think you have to lead a, um, or for me, I try to lead somewhat of a straightforward uh, life and interact with people in a good way. And I think I'm rewarded by the art gods in some weird way about it when I, when I come to paint. Or maybe I just feel better. I'm not really sure. Because like, you, like we were both talking about a few minutes ago, I really do believe when I, I went to the store while I go to pick up something, mm-hmm. and I could have met a homeless person in line that could have started talking to me, and they might have been from Oklahoma or whatever. There could have been some connection that I can't even foresee right now, or that they went to graduate school and studied painting. I mean, anything could happen, or, uh, you know, anyway, I'm just saying, like, there's always that potential, I think, um, for an interaction with people that could 
maybe you'll help them. Maybe they'll help you. I mean, it's always got the possibility of either thing happening. But I grew up in a household with a father who was an extreme racist, homophobic, um, which is strange because I have one brother and one sister that are gay. Um, but my father was just a miserable person. He just mm-hmm. died a year ago. But he was uh, a southern man in the worst uh, uh, meaning of the word. Okay. And But somehow when I was a little tiny boy, when I was like five, between five and six when I went to first grade, I, my, my very first friend was African-American, you know. Your very first friend? My very first friend at school, you know. Okay. Like, we just hit it off. You know, I wasn't thinking anything about it at all. And my father got really upset about it. And, but, you know, I've lived my whole life trying to uh, see people uh, as well as I can and, and to also be supportive of people. So somehow, you know, my father's uh, uh, anger and um, uh, prejudice somehow molded me in the opposite direction. Isn't that interesting? Why do you think that is? Because you could have very easily... All of my friends that have ever met my father say, your father is one of the meanest people we've ever met, for one thing. And they also say, how in the hell did you turn out to be who you are? But that's the mystery, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's also mysterious how an artist who never saw art growing up or ever was around art somehow knew he needed to make art. Yeah. When did you know that? Was it when you saw that, when you saw the cowboy paintings or no 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 I think it had to do around the time when I was telling you about my high school art teacher that was being very supportive it had something to do with a vision kind of or a spiritual thing that I realized what do you uh, mean tell me about that well I just realized that there was something when I was actually doing the physical painting or whatever it was that it was tapping to a different part of my brain that. Uh, you know, that I, I didn't really know about. Okay. You know, and I'd never heard people talk about. Okay. And it could be the same thing that happens when, like, my great-grandmother was making quilts. It could be the same thing as even, you know, as simple as picking out the choice of fabric to go in a pattern, you know. I mean, there's aesthetic decisions happening in most people's lives all the time. Yeah. But most of the time they don't. Do you really... feel like that part of your brain that you use when you're creating a painting, do you feel that... um reveals itself in other parts of your life at other times or is it strictly Hmm. used just for the studio and painting well i i can't really say because all i can tell you is what other people say i'm not a you know nobody is a really good judge of themselves i don't think but people have said i'm very intense as a human being um very focused uh i really am passionate about art you know i mean it comes through every time i talk to anybody about art no matter what it is um so I think they're somehow combined. I think it's all part of the same looking for something, you know. So let's talk about you being a collector because we touched okay. on it a little bit uh, because that you you sort of started to talk about, you know, you see art is a big part of your home. I was yes, I got, a, I got yes, a tour of your home. It. You're living with art. Um, is that a part? <clears throat> uh, how does that relate to creating art, the collecting part? Or are they related? Are they two separate things for you? Well, I think the collecting thing is uh, a way of acknowledging greatness or excellence when you find great things and you collect them. But it does, one thing that I'm very conscious of, that I do live in a house filled with excellent objects to look at, whether they're 
self-taught or trained artists. It doesn't matter. And so I think it's constantly feeding my brain food or my brain prism. And so when I come out here... Meaning you get recharged by being Yeah, I think that? I get recharged, but I also think I'm a, a reminded about excellence when I look around and see excellent things all the time. Living with excellent things, you it makes you more sensitive, I think, to... Well, and it, it may also yeah. be uh, being a practicing, practicing artist for 40 years. I'm not sure, but at some point you... Uh, you start to be more sensitive about like um, excellence, you know, or you start to recognize that it's something that uh, most people don't recognize actually. Okay. Um, so you feel like you are in, you have, you're surrounded by artistic excellence in yes, your Yes, I, I know that. Okay. So that's something that um, is going But it's to... a conscious decision to live with great art. Yep. I mean, you can, you can live with shitty art and I'm, I'm thinking that it probably does the same thing is that it makes you more into shitty art if you live with shitty art uh-huh. you know but if you or if you go to museums and you let's I, I don't know what the example would be but if you know like there's artists that we can all agree on when we go to the art institute uh-huh. you know like there's artists that we all agree on are great artists uh, that somehow steer us like Frida Kahlo or um uh, Arthur Dove or Marsden Hartley or you know I mean there could be you, you know I could go on naming names and names but what I'm saying is, like, in the in the in the collecting that I do, there's a, I try to approach it this, with the same um, desire for excellence. If that makes any sense, it makes perfect sense. So, so I, what I'm saying is, it's not. I don't think it's possible to have that kind of mindset and search for things, and then come out to the studio and do subpar work and not notice it, you know, or say to yourself, well. That just sucks, you know. And then, I mean, I destroy paintings and I paint over paintings all the time because uh, we all artists are really good at tricking themselves into thinking that whatever they did that day is good. But then you come out the next day or sometimes later that night and you go, Jesus Christ, I ruined that painting. That painting, like a few hours ago, that painting was a really great painting. But I'm, I think you have to be willing to push past that sometimes. To, to get into new areas that are uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm glad that I sometimes will fuck up a painting uh, just because of this searching, this uh, reaching out or exploring ways of doing things that you've never done before. The, one of my, as I get older, one of my least favorite things is, and I have many friends that do this, are artists that all their paintings look the same to me. And it looks like, they maybe do a little sketch or something, but it doesn't seem to matter whether it's a duck or a cow or a car. There's certain people's art. It it seems like they, at one point, you know, maybe 30 years ago, they clicked into some way of making images, you know. A formula? A formula, yes. Somewhat of a formula is what I'm talking about. And that's what a lot of the art world is. And a lot of people get rewarded for it. But that's not a hundred years from now. That won't be the paintings that people will talk about. Yep. They won't talk about the pe- people that just had a rote kind of way of working and you know methodically made three or four hundred paintings in their lifetime. That's not what the magic doesn't happen that way. Right. You mentioned two examples where your life outside the studio affected what you're producing. You you mm-hmm. mentioned like the 
artistic gods reward mm-hmm. you for being a good person. And then you also spoke about being surrounded by excellence and that right. made you um, be excellent in the studio. I, I think that's really interesting about well, the effect of outside the studio versus inside the studio. Well, it's also, I mean, I've had a, the same partner for my wife and I have been together 42 years and she's not an artist and I'm not even sure if I could live with another artist. But she has been my main uh, cheerleader and supporter, uh, whereas my uh, family back in Oklahoma has never been supportive. So I was lucky early on to meet a person who believed in me. And, uh, and now, I mean, I still give her a lot of credit about the whole thing. And that has to do with, you know, I wouldn't have had children with, if, it hadn't, if I wasn't with her. I wouldn't be a grandfather now if I wasn't with her. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, you know, I, I don't know if I made it clear earlier. I think the reason why if the art gods do reward you for being a good human being, it's all because maybe you, it opens up something up in your, in your mind where you can be a better artist because you're, you're a better human being. I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not trying to say if you, if you are a wealthy person and you you know, gave away all your money that you could come out in the studio and all at once click, you know, you'd be a great painter. I mean, it, it's not that simple. No, I know. I, I understand exactly. I, what I'm you're saying, saying what I think is there's overlaps. I don't know that they're exactly the same thing, but I do know that the same thing that I've read about writers and playwrights and, you know, every kind of different uh, musicians, uh, you know, different, uh, different varieties of art, that they all talk about the same kind of things about this uh, not being, or you have to to deal with the blank canvas, whatever it is, whether you're starting a new album or you're writing a new book. There's always that first blank page. Yep. You know, there's always that first recording that you have to do, no matter what. So that's the part I think. As we hopefully, if you keep working and you keep uh, spend a lot of time in the studio, I think you can get to that much quicker than you could when you were younger. Um, it, it's just probably the same as, like I said earlier, like a like meditation or something. Right. Okay, good. Uh, do you have any um, suggestions or tips for people listening to this who want to embrace their creativity or explore creativity, well, I, I, whether it's painting or what have you? Yeah, I, I think that people have to trust their gut instincts. You know, I mean, um, the, the thing I know... And I don't want to, I would never want to discourage anybody from making art. But the problem is that almost every person you meet thinks their life would make an interesting life story. You know, uh, uh, every person that's written one poem thinks somewhat that they could be a poet, you know. Or even a person that's maybe done some crafts, you know, might think that it's the same thing as what we're talking about, but it isn't. But what, my point is I would encourage everybody to try to be creative in their life and to follow their own um, uh, things. But what I would also, well, the thing I I really believe is that excellence is rare. And I have a lot of friends that make shitty art, you know, in the art world. But, you know, in order, and I I don't mean this, and it doesn't make me happy or anything. I'm just stating the facts, you know. But I also have a few friends that are excellent and totally blow my mind with what they do so there's always this dichotomy of those two extremes you know and 
of course, we have to be human beings. We can't tell somebody that their work is shitty and that wouldn't be the, that wouldn't be the right thing. It might be, but we probably shouldn't do it. I'm just we probably saying. shouldn't. And I, try I don't, not I, don't to do it. I don't think the art gods would. No, would no, no. Bless I, you. I think I would be punished for that. And, <laughs> and, and uh, I am very conscious of uh, trying to be positive at all times with other artists, because I think that the art world is brutal and it will sift out and sort, you know, very roughly people that aren't up to the task, you know. But I feel like in the meantime, I can still be supporting people and you never know man the next great artist is you know come come from yahoo nebraska i mean you, you never know i mean it's not going to be where they think it's coming from it's always going to be outside the box somehow right um that's how it works good mike thank you very much for talking to me this was yeah. great thank you rick uh i've enjoyed it i think we covered a lot of ground and i hope it uh does what you wanted to do all right. Yeah, I think it did. Okay. If people want to learn more about or see your artwork, where can they go? They can go to my website, www.michaelnolanart.com. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast. 